Chapter Fourteen of East by West: A Journey in the Recess, Volume Two, by Henry W. Lucy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fourteen: Bathing in the Ganges. A difficulty, small in its way, but not without embarrassment, has pursued me since I landed in India. I am constantly tempted, more especially in the cool freshness of the morning to fill up pauses in conversation with chance acquaintances by observing what a lovely day or what beautiful weather such a remark i feel would be quite startling to an anglo-indian and might even be accepted as a sign of gibbering idiocy one might with equal appropriateness accost an acquaintance at breakfast by remarking that twice two are four or break in upon his evening meditation by observing three from five leave two fine weather is a matter of course in india at this season and is no more a subject of remark than the break of day or the constant flow of the ganges towards the sea nevertheless it is to the newcomer a source of constant marvel a fund of endless pleasure the winter season in the northwest is the perfection of weather cool and fresh in the morning summer heat and cloudless sky through the day and at night opportunity for the delights of blazing wood fires yesterday we said we would set out early and row down the ganges to see the bathing if it were fine lifelong habit involuntarily added of course it was fine gloriously fine and after chota hazri the simple meal of tea and toast with which anglo-indians early break their fast we set out there are several means of locomotion provided in benares you may drive through the streets in a bullock cart or be drawn by buffaloes long-necked ugly black beasts altogether unlike the lordly buffalo of the american prairie there are camels galore and there is a curious carriage called ekka very much like the irish outside car except that it is smaller and holds only two passengers who sit on either side with their feet over the wheels there is accommodation for resting one foot in an iron stirrup it is usual to sit upon the other these ekas drawn by stout little horses driven at high speed seem to require on the part of passengers long training and insensibility to early falls before becoming quite comfortable we contented ourselves with the slower but safer gari and drove to man mandil ghat where we took boat an overdecked top-heavy structure rowed by four men with oars having the maximum of loom and the minimum of blade in addition to the four men who rowed there was one who shouted a good deal and steered a little and two who did nothing till we disembarked when they asked for bakshish it was eight o'clock an hour at which bathing is in full swing all along the town side of the river ghats stone steps run down into the water generally there is a temple at the top of the ghat by the sindhya ghat are two lofty turrets which appear to be toppling to the ground the foundations built almost in the river have sunk and it is said are still sinking the veil of a temple close by has been rent in twain and some day there will be shrieking and sudden death 
when these massive turrets complete their destiny and fall with a crash among the crowd always encircling them on its way to and from the river lower down a palace once belonging to the rajah of gwalior has sunk into the earth only the ruined and roofless walls of its upper stories uplifted from the tomb where there are no temples or palaces the sloping ground is taken advantage of for the carving out of grotesque figures of the gods there is one of the brother of vishnu his head and shoulders carved out in the yellow stone of the perpendicular rock his body from the middle downward being represented with legs apart an inane half-surprised look on his visage furthers the fancy that this is the representation of a drunken man who has slipped down on his haunches and doubts whether he will be able unassisted to get up the scene on the river's bank is a bustling one thousands of people men and women are coming and going by the steep stairways women with earthenware pots on their heads red in colour and lovely in shape though they cost but a few pence come for water for household purposes others bring their household washing to the marge of the beautiful river and side by side with pilgrims from distant madras or the far north a woman washes her skirts or scrubs her brazen vessels but the great business is to bathe to wash and be clean from impurities more grievous than those that come from household labour or journeyings by the wayside on all the highways and railroads converging on benares troops of pilgrims wend their way benares is their mecca the ganges their jordan to behold the one and to wash in the other has been the daily dream and aspiration of their life many of them are very old and to watch them tremblingly picking their way down the rough-hewn steps and eagerly clutching at the cool water suggests the doubt whether they will live to mount the steps again doubtless many would be greatly content if death came to them here and now and if life should vary its long unkindness by suddenly quitting them whilst their eyes feasted on the flow of the ganges and their weary limbs were laved in its cool waters it is hard for phlegmatic englishmen to realize the sentiment with which the hindus regard the ganges mother ganga as they fondly call it it is part of their daily life to-day as it was in days through which history stumbles with faltering step to the hindu the stately river is daughter of king himalaya and of his queen the air nymph menaka the icicle-studded cavern at the base of a snowdrift from which the river issues is the tangled hair of the god shiva to cry ganga ganga three hundred miles distant from the river is sufficient to wipe away many sins to bathe in its waters as blue and fresh when they pass benares as when they first reach the plains is eternal bliss to spend six years in following the river's course from the bay of bengal to the himalayas and back again is to secure a place in the immortal imperishable world sung of in the rig veda where there is eternal life where joy and pleasure reside and where the sun is placed life and death stand hand in hand on this consecrated ground 
close by the most crowded gort is a funeral pyre so near that the bathers might reach out their hands to warm them at its flame this fire is always burning night and day fresh fuel being brought hourly from the great city which never seems to have one less in the bazaars because of these vacancies in households when the bodies are burned out the ashes are thrown upon the ganges and the stream running inshore mingles portions of them with the bathers from some of the ghats wooden stages are built over the river thus multiplying the accommodation for the worshippers here is an old man his wrinkled face aglow with devotional feeling on his knees at the edge of the stage ladling up the water with his hands and muttering incessant prayer close by is a fine stalwart young brahmin going through the ritual with a rapid ease that betokens long practice and no disinclination to get through with it as quickly as possible here is another brahmin up to his waist in water working his fists in an energetic fashion which at a short distance looks as if he were wanting someone on the opposite bank to come on and have it out in good old english fashion on closer inspection it is seen that he has a piece of string round his neck and that holding it out first with one hand and then with the other he is vigorously washing it here is a woman whose matronly figure is boldly outlined by the cotton drapery that clings to her as she comes up wholly unlike venus from her third dip a man close by scoops up the water in the palms of his joined hands and pours it out as if offering a libation thrice repeating the ceremony and crying aloud his petition to his preserver there is wide variety of attitude and age but all bound by the common bond of profound earnestness there can be no question of the sincerity of the form of worship which necessitates standing knee-deep in the river in damply clinging cotton cloths with the morning air fresh from frost-bound fields blowing keenly not less in earnest are the brahmins who sit under umbrella shades at the head of the ghats caring for the superfluous clothing of the bathers and waiting to stamp their foreheads with the mark which testifies to due performance of the morning function this caretaking and stamping means coppers and some of the stands must bring in a good deal of money seen from the boat benares is very beautiful in the morning air the minarets which mark former mohammedan dominance in the stronghold of buddhism stand out clear against the sky that is momentarily deepening in blue as the sun rises higher over the broad river in a population of this strongly marked religious tendency it is interesting to inquire what way christianity has made there has been no lack of honest and earnest endeavour there being not less than five missionary societies which have agencies here and some of them have been at work for over a quarter of a century according to the census report of the northwest provinces i find the population of benares is a little over one hundred and seventy five thousand of these one hundred and thirty three thousand are hindus forty two thousand mohammedans and two hundred and sixty five christians how many of these are officials and missionaries i do not know but at best the number of natives gathered into the fold by the united efforts of the missionaries is lamentably small 
on sunday i went to the mission house of the london missionary society to attend the native service it is a neat commodious building comfortably seated and possessing the attraction of a harmonium in mr hewlett the pastor missionary work has a model servant when i entered he was earnestly preaching to eleven natives one half of whom were directly and officially connected with the mission this was bad but i gathered from a melancholy little joke heard from the lips of a missionary that things are worse elsewhere at mirzapur it befell at one time that the native congregation was reduced to a single individual a lad of fifteen in course of time the news spread that the congregation at mirzapur is growing the lad of fifteen was becoming a youth of eighteen next christian india was thrilled by the report that the congregation at mirzapur had doubled the young man of nineteen had taken to himself a wife mr hewlett preached his sermon with doors and windows wide open his house stands within the compound a few yards distant and his voice fell upon the ear of his dog who had been taking a siesta in the veranda presently the dog appeared in the doorway and discovering his master in the pulpit walked up to him and entirely disappeared from view save that its tail was left wagging in the friendliest way outside the limits of the pulpit this is a trivial story but it has a grave moral if a man like mr hewlett a scholar and an earnest simple gentleman who men and dogs are instinctively drawn towards has not more to show for twenty-three years unremitting labour than this scanty congregation christian missions are in a bad way in india it is true that in the south there is a longer list of converts to show but these are found chiefly among outcasts who peremptorily cut adrift from hinduism are peculiarly amenable to the kindly influence of christian missionaries in benares mr hewlett's own testimony is quote, that for years the native congregation has hardly grown either in numbers or in ability to support a pastor End quote but if the seed of the gospel fails in hopelessly stony places in the stronghold of hinduism the missionaries are doing a great work in the way of education in the london mission college and girls schools one thousand two hundred and sixty five pupils last year were receiving a thoroughly sound education i came across one of the ex-pupils a young fellow who was the proprietor of a well-to-do shop in the inlaid brasswork he spoke excellent english was bright and intelligent and was so pleased to find me in company with mr incel mr hewlett's colleague in direction of the london mission college that he sold me a lot of things at their market price without the customary preliminary of asking three times their value and gradually coming down to fifty per cent over it in addition to the work carried on in the college and schools and over above her labours as principal of the girls school mrs hewlett pursues the system of zenana work visiting the hindu women in their own homes these things may even yet as mr hewlett with pathetic patience and courage hopes bring about a great awakening in the hindu mind in the meanwhile the benefits of the educational system administered by the missionaries is unmistakable 
and cannot fail to bear fruit in increasing measure the general position of christianity in india as affected by mission labour is grimly told in the official statistics of eighteen seventy one the latest available these show that of the two hundred and forty millions then peopling british india only seven hundred and eighteen thousand were christians considerably less than half per cent of the population of these only a small proportion are protestants in madras for example where more than half the converts have been made of a total of five hundred and thirty three thousand seven hundred and sixty four hundred and sixteen thousand and sixty eight are roman catholics of the total number of christians in india british and feudatory the roman catholics claim one million three hundred and seventeen thousand seven hundred and eighty two and the protestants three hundred and twenty five thousand the superior tactical adaptability to circumstances of the roman catholic priesthood may be held in some measure to account for this remarkable discrepancy if it were part of the business of a protestant missionary in china to have pictures of the annunciation in the mission-room he would be content to follow early models of art the jesuits know better than that and their chapels are adorned with pictures of the infant jesus in a pigtail and mary tottering on feet squeezed small enough to please a mandarin the conversions to protestantism such as they are have been the result chiefly of the london missionary society which entered the field in seventeen ninety eight the church missionary society which sent out its first representative in eighteen fourteen the society for the propagation of the gospel which followed in eighteen twenty six the presbyterian missions which opened in eighteen thirty and the wesleyan methodist society excluding the scotch church of which i have no particulars the other four societies maintain their position at an annual expenditure of one hundred and sixty five thousand pounds contributed from home in addition to this there are special funds and money raised in india which would probably bring the expenditure up to something like a pound per convert per annum in the afternoon we were on the river again rowing to ramnagar the palace of the maharaja of benares the castellated front of the palace stands boldly out on the river-bank and through the bright clear atmosphere seemed distant only half an hour's rowing but this prospect is illusory and it was after an hour and a half's battling with the current that the men brought the boat to the landing-place at the foot of the castle the scene on the river in the afternoon is greatly changed from that witnessed in the early morning the ghauts are almost deserted though here and there are to be seen tardy worshippers bathing their thinly draped bodies in the holy stream godliness having been cared for in the morning cleanliness has its due sequence in the afternoon men and women kneeling on the bank or standing ankle-deep in the water on the steps of the ghaut were busy scrubbing pots and pans or washing household linen the brahmins save one at a remote ghaut had gone only their umbrellas remaining to mark the spot sanctified by their presence and ministrations the broad river shading from green to blue and wonderfully clean considering the hourly pollution of a great city flowed steadily on sparkling in the sunlight looking back 
growing distance added enchantment to the city standing high up on the bank with its frontage guiltless of a straight line and the twin minarets of the mosque always the most prominent feature in the picture of all possible views of benares the best is to be obtained by a journey towards ramnagar the city following the bank of the river curves outward in crescent form displaying all its beauty to the south the opposite bank going towards ramnagar is a flat plain a brown bank showing where the river overflows after the rains and beyond this fields dressed in the living green of the young shoots of late autumn planted wheat when the ganges rises after the rains it does so in a manner worthy of its reputation at the maharaja's palace there is a watermark showing how the river rises in august from thirty to forty feet on the low bank now deserted by the stream a flock of vultures were gathered discontentedly picking at the ribs of a skeleton a little further on something was floating in the water serving as a resting-place for a flock of smaller birds who diligently pecked at it we were too far off to see what this was but it was too probably a dead body there is no municipal law at benares forbidding the casting of dead bodies into the river this is however done only in the cases of people too poor to pay two rupees for wood to light a funeral pyre it is equivalent to a pauper's funeral but as there are many paupers in benares there are many corpses in the ganges a little apart from the vultures perched on the skeleton a cyrus paced in solemn meditation the cyrus is much like the stork though with bigger body and broader bill its stride is curious the pompous way in which it slowly draws its foot up and plants it out for another stride combined with a slight swagger of its tail being reminiscent of a being something between a churchwarden and a masher it took no notice of the vultures at their sorry banquet nor of the smaller birds perched on the vultures backs nor of the sky overhead nor of the river rustling by nor of the great city in the solemn stillness of the opposite side of the river it paced up and down with its ridiculous stride its head hung down in meditation and the movement of its body suggestive of its having its hands clasped under his coat-tails scarcely less comical was its mate sitting on the bank with its legs prodigiously long from knee to claw spread out flat before it hooked from the knee as a man might rest on his elbows the cyrus is always found in couples and there is a pretty legend doubtless founded upon fact that when one dies its mate refusing food or drink pines away caught young and tamed the cyrus will answer the purpose of a watchdog it makes a curious noise which gives warning of the approach of strangers by day or night and has an impartial way of pecking at the legs of unfamiliar visitors which makes it interesting some people who have tried it say the flesh of its breast is very good eating broiled with onions it makes a passable substitute for beefsteak but its chief commercial value when dead lies in its long legs which from the knee down to the claw makes a pipe-stem much affected by the natives 
still nearer the palace a body was burning under a pile of wood near the edge of the river the bereaved relatives sitting on the bank dressed in white the funeral was not going off very successfully the wind such as it was blowing from the south had lit up that side of the pile leaving the other untouched the undertaker's men evidently familiar with this mischance stood at the side and with what looked like a red tablecloth fanned the dying embers into a flame laughing and talking the while as if the freshness of the joke of cremation never palled the descendant of one of the ancient princes of india has a right kingly watchdog at the gate of his palace at ramnagar this is a tiger which a month ago was roaming free in the maharajah's jungle some twenty miles off he was caught in a trap cunningly prepared and after infinite labour and no slight personal danger was caged and brought in triumph to ramnagar for the people of india the tiger has an interest quite different from that which stirs the breasts of visitors to the zoological gardens in regent's park and kindred institutions for western people the tiger is a curiosity for the hindu it is a painful reality like hunger and houselessness at this very time of writing there is a village in india on the outskirts of which devoted policemen dressed in women's clothes are walking about the neighbouring tiger with a fine appreciation of quality will lunch only off the female inhabitants and after many vain attempts at catching him by traps and legitimate hunting this device has been had recourse to hitherto without success for whilst the disguised policemen walk about in absolute safety veritable women are from time to time snapped up doubtless the tiger at ramnagar had frequently contemplated a visit to the village but not precisely in this style reflection on this unfulfilled intention may add to the poignancy of his feelings however it be he is the most sublimely wrathful creature i ever saw still fresh from the jungle he has not learned that trick of restlessly pacing round the cage with which zoological gardens tigers amuse themselves he lies at the remote end half rising when a crowd gather round and with lips drawn back and bristles stiff as lance-poles he growls at times the noise which seems to shake the cage is more like a moaning sigh of infinite regret than an ordinary growl here are these people ten or a score of them within the length of half a bound and between him and them what looks like a frail immaterial mesh of bamboo but he knows its strength for he has tried it springing with a single bound from the further end of the cage expecting to find himself plump in the crowd astonished and dismayed to find his head beaten against iron bars he has given that up now and spreading out his magnificent body at full length at the end of the cage only growls 
once an ingenious villager rattled a stick through the open bars of a narrow porthole by the tiger's head then he leapt up and with hate and rage blazing from his eyes and thunderous growls issuing through his closed teeth he smote the iron bars with his mighty paw after the tiger the palace of the maharaja was a very poor affair admission is obtained through a gateway and by an ill-kept courtyard flanked on either side by shabby huts in which the prince's retainers live there was a sentry at the gate dressed in what looked like the cast-off clothing of a british soldier he was lounging about the gateway as we approached at sight of us he took up his gun and like the faithful cyrus whom he resembled to the extent that he had a red tuft on the top of his head showed a disposition to peck at us with the bayonet as he was inflexible we had to wait till our cards were sent in and were permitted to pass only when the maharaja's private secretary a babu with kindly face and gentle manner came to the rescue when we left the sentry was again caught napping but he shouldered his rifle with comical alacrity as we came in sight and as he saluted looked more than ever like the soldier of the burlesque stage the apparition not unfrequent of natives with red hair is startling till it is known that the effect is obtained by dye the mandley a leaf something like the myrtle works this wonder and is much used by the mohammedan soldiers we did not see the maharaja who happened to be at prayers his highness engages in devotion for twelve hours a day straight off and has done so for twenty years this habit commendable in itself interferes somewhat with his opportunities of social intercourse six hours he sleeps six hours he devotes to mundane affairs and the rest to heaven should there be any imperative call upon him such as the visit of the nizam which happened the day before our visit he takes the necessary time out of his sleep one half the day is inviolably dedicated to preparation for the world to come i asked the babu whether the heir apparent was devotional to equal extent no he said with a sigh he takes only one hour in the morning and half an hour at night the rooms of the palace are large and lofty but the effect is spoiled by the importation of glass chandeliers with coloured globes and furniture from tottenham court road the attendant showed with a special pride half a dozen french musical boxes under glass cases which when wound up played jigs and set birds hopping about on trees monkeys performing niggers clanging cymbals and other vulgarities it was pitiable to see these things in the house of a man who had within reach the illimitable art treasures of india the only decent things in the palace were the marble floors the inlaid marble chimney-piece in the drawing-room and an ingenious clock a duplicate of which the maharaja with characteristic generosity presented to the prince of wales who had admired the original as we rode back to Benares, the sun had set, and night was swiftly descending over river, fields, and city. The mist rising from the Ganges had wrapped itself round the city like a mantle. A second fire had been lit close by where the ashes of the one we had watched in the afternoon still smouldered. They glowered upon us as we passed the low bank, 
like two great red eyes peering across the darkling river at the great city on the other side which we could not see though we could hear the far-off murmur of its multitude End of chapter 14